to the Dr. Wayne Dyer Radio Podcast. Discover the wisdom and remarkable insights of Dr. Dyer, world-renowned spiritual teacher and foremost authority on how the power of your mind creates your world. I'm Summer McStravick, the producer of this program, welcoming you today. I'll be filtering all of your calls through to Dr. Dyer himself, who, of course, is here to give you some advice on your life and uh, see what there is going on out there. Dr. Dyer, welcome. Thank you, Summer. Hey. How you doing? Good, good. So, as we've been doing lately, would you like to uh, just say a few words and maybe we'll go to our callers after that? Yeah, I'm I'm already. It's the beginning of the year. I just checked the numbers. People are starting to sign up to come to Maui in October. <laughs> I want to see everybody from all over the world signing up and coming over and having three days on the Dow. I know, you know. I'm already thinking about my Hawaiian vacation when <laughs> planning it this year. Maybe I'll see you there in October, that too. That would be great. I would love that. <laughs> All right. Well, we do have people who have already called in to speak with you, so why don't we just go right on into it? We have Cassandra here from Sherman Oaks, California. Uh, Cassandra, you are live on air with Dr. Wayne Dyer today. Yes. Hi, Dr. Dyer. I can't believe I'm talking to you. Wow. Well, absolutely. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's, it's an amazing gift. Um, yeah. Well, I, <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> I love the power of intention. I was reading it this morning, and it's just an amazing, amazing book. I've got a question for you. At this point in my life, I'm about to be 30 years old tomorrow. Thirty. Um, yes. <laughs> You're over the hill. It's over. Let's take the next call. Just... Um, and I'm living my dream. I just come out of a very difficult divorce, um, and I'm I've moved to California, which I've wanted to pretty much since I was about five. I'm producing TV and I'm writing, and I'm actually now teaching a course. And the question that I have is, I'm about to teach this course for women called Choose You, and I want your advice on. When you're dealing with, with women, especially women who've gone through a lot of different experiences and they feel as if they can't get ahead or there's a mm. scarcity mentality, how do, you, how do you express to them the abundance that is in the universe? How do you share it with them? Well, I think the first thing you have to help those people who have those kinds of uh, um, erroneous beliefs about what it is that is possible for them based upon what they haven't been able to manifest up until now. I mean, just imagine uh, yourself going through your whole life, not uh, not being able to create the kinds of things that you want, living in a deficiency sort of mode, and then relying upon that same kind of thinking uh, as you proceed to try to get in, into a new phase into your life. All you're doing is just giving more and more energy to the very same kind of uh, the kind of thing that you've been doing for a lifetime or for a very long time. One of the most famous lines that I learned from Abraham was that you get what you think about whether you want it or not. So if you're thinking about all of the reasons why you can't do things and you go into your past, into your history, and use your history as a reason why you can't do something, instead of using your your history as a reason why you no longer want to continue to repeat that. And so what we're going to do here in this course is we're going to look at all of the kinds of thoughts and all of the kinds of behaviors and so on and reactions that I have had throughout my life that haven't produced the kinds of results that I would like. Uh, and though, and while, you know, the minute that you start putting the responsibility for the absence of abundance or the absence of happiness or joy or success or whatever on your life on anyone outside of yourself, that's where you get, get to, that's where you stop. 
and you begin to look at it. And you can even ask people, why is it, do you think, that uh, you have not achieved the level of prosperity, the level of happiness, the level of relationship, the level of success in your work, whatever, even the level of health that you would like for yourself? What is it you think that is keeping you, has kept you up until now from that? And you'll see as people talk, start talking honestly and openly about that, that they'll almost always project the reason for that being on their culture, on their family, on the person that they were married to, on, the, you know, whatever the circumstances were, on bad luck, on, on, I used to say, on the Ayatollah, or anything that's going on in the world that's out there. So that's the first thing to do, is to really come up with a really healthy uh, inventory of uh, what kinds of th things have I done to attract into my life the current state of affairs that I live in, in all of these different areas of my life. That would be the first thing. The second thing, I th and I think probably even more important than the first, for all of these women and for you and everyone listening, is to go get yourself into a state of gratitude for all of the things, all of the valleys that have showed up in your life, all of the low points, all of the nadir, all of the you know the the low points, what we call the nadirs in our lives, uh, and uh, and begin to say thank you for every single one of them. I mean. Uh, I've often, many of you have heard me say that I'm now 20 years uh, celebrating without having alcohol in my body. And uh, what I don't do is go back to the kinds of thinking that I used to have, which allowed me to go to that place in my life. And instead, I'm in a great state of gratitude for all the things that I learned in all of the moments that I spent doing unhealthy things to my body. And, I, I, and you get into that state of gratitude and saying thank you for that. Then you're not proceeding and trying to enrich your life by uh, by by being angry or full of revenge or full of hatred and so on. Does that make sense? Absolutely, absolutely. I just um, definitely. I was just trying. I think I was thinking a little bit too much about it because um, even thinking about my own life, I'm definitely in a state of gratitude for all the things that have happened because they've they've created the life that I have now. So mm. thank you so much. But, yeah, it, like even that messy divorce and even that difficulty and and all of those kinds of things. I mean, those are. Uh, the, the the highest place you want to get to is that place, I think. Well, there's two places. One is where while you are in the midst of something that is difficult and troubling for you, um, to be able to say uh, thank you. You know, that that's that's one of the hardest things. I Last night, uh, I'm over here on Maui, and last night uh, my my friend who, who wrote this beautiful book called uh, Left to Tell, Immaculate Illabagiza, I'm sure you've heard of her. Uh, she was the Rwandan survivor in, in the Holocaust back in 1994, and I had her on my PBS show and so on. And she was in a bathroom hiding for 91 days, uh, trying to just save her life. And she said the hardest thing for her to do was to be able to, in the moment when she knew that she was being hunted to be killed by these people, the hardest thing for her to do, she, was, she would practice forgiveness, even forgiving them by saying, I forgive them because they don't know what they're doing, which is what Jesus was saying on the cross. And she used that as an example. But she said the minute that they were gone, I just then I would go right back to the anger and the hatred and how dare they treat us like this and blah, 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 blah. And she said it wasn't until she was able to, in the moment, even in the moment when she knew in the next second she could be slashed to death, uh, that she could still send love to those people and, st and send gratitude. Uh, and that was what r really created the atmosphere within that bathroom for them to survive. So at their very extreme level, it's still getting into that place, that, that perfect place of, of, uh, of being, you know, at, in the moment, uh, in a place of God love. Yeah. Absolutely. So thank you so much. I, I always remember what you've said about, um, 
good fortune is what bad fortune leans on and bad right. fortune yeah. hides yeah, in. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's right out of the Tao Te Ching. Yeah, that's from Lao yeah. Tzu. You know, that uh, hidden in all misfortune is good fortune. And hidden in also in all uh, good fortune is misfortune. It's always there. It is hills and valleys, folks. It's just there's no straight lines out there. Everything is crooked. <laughs> you know, it's like even if you go out there and you manicure your lawn and you get it to look exactly the way you think that it should look, I mean, it's, uh, it's going to get crooked again because nature doesn't do things in exactly a straight line. It does things in a cyclical way. When you're up, down is in the, is leaning on that. When you're down, up is in the middle of that. And if you can step outside of the uh, up and the down and the hill and the valley and just become the observer to it, you get to do what I was just doing 40 minutes ago, which I was out in the ocean, and there's huge waves out there today, just just these enormous, beautiful, they're about 8, 10-foot breakers out there today. And you get out just a little bit past the shore, and you just watch, and you see the cyclical nature of the ocean. It'll come in, and it goes way up high. It lifts up seven, eight feet. The entire ocean, you can see it when you're on the on, on the surface of it. You can look all the way to the left and the right. You can see the entire thing lift way, way up, and then it takes you way, way down. And you never stay in that ocean and say, well, I'm going to beat this thing this time. I'm going to." Uh, what you do is you go with it. I'm amused because today, uh, I just looked at the paper uh, yesterday morning's paper, and they said that uh, Sir Hillary, Edmund Hillary, who was the, uh, they, they kept calling him the conqueror of Mount Everest. He died yesterday or the day before. He's 88 years old. And I thought, if you know, if you talk to somebody who climbed Mount Everest, they would never say they conquered that mountain. It's not about conquering. You don't go out there to defeat or win or beat anyone. We use those kind of metaphors. But he just got onto that mountain and allowed the mountain to be what it was, and he just stayed in harmony with it all the way to the top. That's what Sir Edmund Hillary did. And if you try to conquer Mount Everest or the ocean or anything else, you can just pretty much forget it. You know, nature always bats last, always. Absolutely. Great Thank call. you Thank so you. very much. Thank you. Yes. Thanks, Cassandra. Thank you. God bless you. Namaste. Thank you. Mm. Thanks, Cassandra. Burbank, California, Good. Line 10. Denise, welcome to the program. You're on air with Dr. Wayne Dyer on Dr. Wayne Dyer's Inspiration. Hi, how are you? Hi, Denise. Um, how are you? Hi, I'm good. I have actually two questions. I'll I'll ask both. But my first question is in a relationship question. Um, I married my high school sweetheart. Um, we have two children. You know, pretty, we're happy. I mean, for the most part, we're happy. We do argue a lot, which I don't know if that's good or bad, but we do. And he he tends to throw up the way I was raised. Oh, you know, you he kind of just it's a real sore spot for me. I was raised by a single mom and. It just really bothers me when he does this. I feel like he has like he, you know, he has two parents, and I always feel like mm-hmm. he makes me like I'm like this dysfunctional, crazy lady, and mm-hmm. it's really a sore spot for me, especially when he talks about my mom. And mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, I was wondering if you had any words to, like maybe you know, how do you, how do I go around? That not being a sports, I don't want to. Mm. I don't want to feel uncomfortable, and I don't want to constantly feel, you know, shameful. Mm. Those from I, from the Tao, it says, "Those who know do not talk; those who talk do not know." And there's a very important line in there that says, "What you think of me is none of my business." Mm-hmm. Can you say that? Yeah, I can. I believe that too. I do okay. believe. I, so, you know, I've uh, but I mean, can you say it? Can you say it to your husband without having to say the words? Can you just simply say to yourself, what you think of me, which means my past and how I was raised, is really none of, it's none of my business. 
I don't really need to be informed about that. Now, if you can get that, you know, because well, he's obviously doing this because you said something even more revealing. You said we argue a lot. I don't know if that's good or bad, but you know that it's not good, you know, to be in a constant state of conflict because when you when you are in a when a God realized relationship, there is no conflict. And, and I really mean that. I mean, conflict is only because we remove ourselves to the place of two-ness, to the place where there's more than one position where I'm separate from you and you are separate from me and you're your person and I'm my person and I have my background and you have your background and all of that. When you move into a spiritual partnership rather than a marriage, you're moving into a place where you you, you recognize the oneness in each other. And that when someone else is coming at you in a continuous way with conflict, you are feeding them information to do that with. And the information that you feed your husband when he comes at you with the way that you were raised is that this can really get to me. I mean, you can hardly even talk about that without, you know, no, without it crying. Without so much. It bugs. Yeah. And I understand, like, I we argue, but we do, we also do agree a lot. And we talk. And mm -hmm. I, I know. think he also says, like, well, you know, you don't mean what you say. And that's another thing. Because I do mean what I say, but I tend to forgive, and mm -hmm. I go back a lot on what I do say, and I don't hold my ground, but what I'm saying really do has meaning. Like, I, I mean what I well, say, and I... You can also, you know, that's that's another, thing. That's, that's another thing about being in a higher level of consciousness, is that you can say something and mean it, and then the next day, when the same situation comes up, you don't mean it. I mean, it's like, you're because we are all in a constant state of change. I mean, this, this is the nature of who we are. So that at the moment that I said these kinds of things, this was true, it worked for me, I've now thought about it, I'm not into hanging on to grudges, I'm not into revenge and all. And you can explain all of this, to, you know, to your husband a hundred times, but if he has in the back of his mind this wonderful weapon, which is, I can make Denise go into a state of craziness or upset or hurt, and even though I don't want to, and even though I love her, it's my little power game, it's a way of my exercising an element of control over her. Now, what you want to do is take that away. And the way that you take that away is becoming, as my teacher Abraham Maslow used to say, independent of the good opinion of other people. Once you teach your husband that you are no longer going to be susceptible to his opinions about the way that you were raised, and instead you almost smile at that, it's like you get to a place in your heart where you know that... Someone trying to pick a fight with you is wasting their energy and wasting their time. You're just not going to those places anymore, and you're going to become this peaceful. And if you could do that, if you could practice that, the next time he starts it up, in fact, you can almost set up a situation in which you hope that he will so that you can practice by practice yourselves independently saying to yourself, what you think of me is none of my business. What you think of the way that I was raised, that's none of my business. None of that is any of my business because it sends me into a state of apoplexy and I don't want to go there anymore. Yes. Now that, okay, that requires... Yeah, I can do that. I, I yeah, think I and, do do that. Yeah, and so now you get to a place where instead of being angry at your husband and upset and depressed and, you know, crying and all of that, it's like you're in a place of uh, of total indifference to anything other than coming at you with love when he comes at with you, you with love and with kindness and with acceptance and with the kind of relationship that you want you reinforce that with with uh, you know being happy when he comes at you with the other stuff you just smile and let him know this is going right over my head it's just right over my head i always say that's how i lost my hair i just i just whisk it all away you know it's like yeah. you just don't let people get to you i mean 
Uh, I usually don't. I'm, just, I'm pretty strong, and you know, I I you know read a few of your books, and I continue to read self help, and I for the mm-hmm. most part I think I'm strong. He's a strong person too, and I'm I know sure. he does want the best for me, and I want mm-hmm. the best for him. But it's just that so that one little I don't know why it's such a sore spot. It just drives me nuts when he says. Well, if you really if you looked at it if therapeutically, if you went back and looked at that, it's probably uh, causing you to have some questions about about the way that you were raised that, that maybe is upsetting to you as well, that maybe you haven't really completely dealt with. And uh, maybe, um, you know, you you are carrying around with you uh, attitudes about, um, you know, that he had, a, he had it better than you did and you had it mm-hmm. tougher and he doesn't recognize what it's like to be raised by a single yeah, mom. I, and, uh, I, yeah, I, I and so he had, he had it a lot easier as a child. Um, yeah. and I think of that in my own life and in my own relationships with people and so on, having, you know, grown up in, in foster homes and orphanages and, and all of those kinds of things. Um, but I've gotten past the, the, the need for other people to see that as something, anything other than a wonderful gift and opportunity that, that I signed up for long before I even came here, which is what you did too. You know, you, you had to go the path that you did and so did your mom, you know, is your mom wow. living? Oh yeah, she's living. And she mm-hmm. still, you know, she still has her struggles with my uh, younger brother and sister. And, mm-hmm. you know, we have a good relationship. We're we're in close contact with each other. Yeah. And she helps me out a lot. But there's still, you know, certain... Yeah, the next time that little thing comes up, when he starts to do that, instead of getting upset and angry, I want you to really work on your thoughts. And I just will. say, it and you change your thought <laughs> and you change your life. Because when they say, it's like the old line, of when you change the way you look at things... The things you look at change. If you change the way you look at the way that he is talking to you and the way that he is treating you and just say, this is him and I know what's behind this and I know that this is going to make him feel a little bit more superior. And instead of my going into that place from now on, you're going to let him, you're going to smile. You're going to, and when he's all done talking, you're going to go over and give him a kiss on the cheek and say, you know, I never really considered that point of view. Thank you very much. I appreciate right. it. You know, and then go ma- and then take them to bed. Okay, God bless. I you. will. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. my second question Thanks. is: Do you think oh, you can see? Um, do you think you can see evil in someone? Can you look okay. at someone and see evil or envy? I do think that everything is energy, but I also believe truly that uh, that all things come from source. You know, it's like uh, as it says in Genesis. You know, in the beginning, God created heaven and earth, and all that God created was good. Uh, I believe that. Uh, I, I don't think evil is something that exists in the, in the universe out there separately. Uh, and that it's, uh, that some people get it and some people don't. There are people that are either moving towards source, towards God, towards the place that, from which they came, which is a place of kindness and gentleness and goodness and fairness and non-judgmentalness and it would never hurt anything, which is what we all come from. Uh, and there are people who are m- moving away from that and acting in the opposite ways and moving further and further away from the source from which they return, from which they came. So that I think you can read energy uh, in people and you can see people who are moving away from their source, from their God realization or away from the Tao. Um, I don't call that evil because I think that, uh, you know, if, if it's true that God created everything, God would have had to create this thing called evil as well. And that just is inconsistent with what I believe God to be or what source is or what the Tao is. So it's not evil. It's just energy that can be turned around. And as St. Francis says in his famous prayer, where there is hatred or evil, 
uh, let me bring love. And by bringing love to the presence of hatred or evil, you not only make the evil go away, but you convert it to good. You convert it to good. The analogy, the best analogy is in that same prayer. It says, where there is darkness, let me bring light. When you bring light to the presence of darkness, you not only get rid of the darkness, but you convert darkness to light. And I think that's what we can do. Okay? Shining a light in a dark room. Mm -hmm. Very nice. I think, Dr. Dyer, we can probably get one more yeah, person one more on, in, sure. although, mm -hmm. I, you know, I failed to mention in the beginning of the show, for those mm -hmm. people who want to learn about what's going on in Hawaii, you can go to Dr. Dyer's website, drwaynedyer.com, learn all about the workshop he's giving over there in October. In October, okay. just before Halloween. Yeah, That's and right. Last year's, last year's was truly the most inspiring uh, weekend that I've, I think I've ever had in my life. And it's almost true. everybody agreed with that. Uh, almost everyone. Otherwise, yeah. we'll just get emails here. So everybody go mm -hmm. to his site, drwaynedyer.com. Okay, okay mm -hmm. Deb Lancaster, Pennsylvania, on line four. Last caller today. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. Hello there. Hi, Deb. Hi. I can't believe I got on. This is wonderful. <laughs> You're thank in Lancaster. You so That's right. Where well, the my goodness. live. I was stationed. I was stationed in Bainbridge, Maryland, many, many years ago, right down the road from you, about thirty miles. Okay. From, uh, yeah. And Haver de Grace, Maryland, is right near there as well. We used to. I had a, a Navy base there. Anyway, what's on your mind? And Deb, keep it brief. We've only got a couple right. minutes, so go ahead. Okay. Okay, I'll try. Um, I am unemployed. Just got laid off on Friday, and it's the fourth time I've been laid off at jobs. And I'm wondering, am I? I can't imagine what I'm doing to attract this type of job situation where I'm always getting laid off. Um, it's great. It's a, I was just going to say congratulations because exactly. you know it's almost it's God's way of saying okay you tried this but this isn't the, this isn't what it is. Okay, here's another one. And probably probably Deb because of our shortage what you're doing is you are settling for something just because you need to be employed or just because you need to make some money or, or whatever it is. For doing something that really isn't does doesn't match up to your passion. If you can find your passion, go within and find yourself doing that. Laid off will be something you won't even experience again. How do you find your passion? You find it by serving. You find it by reaching out. You find it by getting rid of your ego and stop thinking about what's in it for me, how much I'm going to make, what am I going to do, how how well am I going to be liked for it, and instead ask yourself, how may I serve? How may I serve? Yesterday I was at Foodland which is a grocery store not far from here, there's an 88-year-old woman named Monique who can barely walk, who was in the store, and I realized when I wheeled her all the way home in the rain and took her back to her apartment and helped clean up her apartment yesterday morning for almost an hour, this beautiful 88-year-old lady, that I know my passion. I know my passion. It's not about what's in it for Wayne Dyer. It's about how may I serve. And for me, it was yesterday morning, this beautiful 88-year-old woman uh, I was able to just help her just a little bit more, and that made my day and my week, and I'm talking about it now, and I'm saying to you the same thing to you. Find someone who's in need, reach out to them, and you will begin to see yourself elevated into a purposeful, passionate life rather than one that's going to get laid off again and again and again. Okay? Okay. All right. Thank you. God bless you. Thank Wonderful you. call. I'm sorry Very we had much. to rush you. Yeah, thank you. That does it. Dr. Dyer wraps up our show today. Great. Thanks so much. Nice show. 
We'll see you Thank all you, Summer. <laughs> next week. And listen tomorrow to Summer oh. on Flow Dreaming. She's the best. Thank you. <laughs> see you in Maui. All right. To find out more about Dr. Wayne Dyer or any other Hay House author, please visit hayhouse.com. Thank you for listening. <laughs>